So John 17, 6 through 19, starting in verse 6. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you. For I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them, and have come to know in truth that I came from you. And they have believed that you sent me. I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world, but those whose whom those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine. And I am glorified in them. And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world. And I am coming to you, Holy Father. Keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me, I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost, except the son of destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I'm coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself, that they also may be sanctified in the truth. This is God's word. You can have a seat. Hi. The, uh, the lighting in here, you think I can see you, but I can't see you. It's uh, really bright up here. Andrew and I were talking about that, but uh, I know you're out there. So uh, if you want to respond, boo, amen, anything, that just helps this old preacher. Uh, if you're visiting for the first time, I'm Josh Watt. I use a fake picture of a handsome young guy just to get you to come. But uh, no, actually, uh, my name is Sandy Mason. I've pastored for, uh, gosh, four decades. Don't do the math. Started when I was seven. And uh, I just stepped away from pastoring full-time and was asked to join the redemption movement, kind of a pastor of the pastors, which I love doing. So that's why I have the privilege to be here. I love your pastor, Josh Watt and Aubrey, and their four guys. And uh, you're, you're blessed. I know you know that, to have him as your lead guy. He, believe it or not, he really does love Jesus. And uh, he really wants God's best for every one of you. And that's, who, that's the kind of pastor you want. That's who you want to sit under. So you're in good hands here. Uh, let's pray together. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you that you are. That you really are. You've made it so clear. And everything that you've made just has your fingerprints all over it. The beauty of creation. The, the majesty of the, the universe. And the size. And yet the the beauty of a, a butterfly, uh, the, the industry of an ant hive. It's just all of it shouts, design, design, a creative genius to put this together. So we know that you are, but we, we know even more that uh, Jesus 
is alive with you today because his tomb is empty. And he called that shot. He said, they'll kill me, and in three days I'll be alive. And he did it. And uh, so, Lord Jesus, that gives me great hope that right now you are interceding for us. That is, you are asking for the personal things for each of us because you know, you know what I need you know what my friends in this room need, and that gives us great hope this morning. So do your work, we pray, Holy Spirit, as we look at your word. Amen. Amen. Excuse me, got a little catch. <clears throat> We're going to be in John 17, that long passage, and I'm going to take it word by word. We'll be here till about 2.30, so hope you made arrangements for that. Thanks, Josh, for the long passage. Uh, no, I love this passage. These truths, and I, you know, you can say, oh, a preacher says that every week. The truths in here, no kidding. If you made these truths part of your weekly thinking, praying with Jesus, it will change your attitude, which will change your life. Uh, and the only reason I know these things are true is what I said in my prayer, Jesus is alive, the tomb is empty, the church is still meeting 2,000 years. Anybody pass the temple of Caesar Augustus on the way here? No, didn't see that one. You know, he was the big deal in Jesus' day. He's gone. 2,000 years later, here we are still meeting in the name of that uh, executed carpenter. So he's alive, and he's building this church, and you're part of that. It's true. When's the last time you had something really valuable to you and you entrusted it to somebody else? Perhaps uh, you can remember when you finally owned your own car. Everybody remember that? Maybe it wasn't a great car, but it was your car. You were making the payments. You were paying for the insurance, that cheap stuff you found on the Internet that only covers if you run over a school bus or something, you know but you, it's yours, and no matter how bad the paint job or how much it smokes or all that, it's yours. And then your, your friend, you know that friend that you love him, but he wants to borrow your car to go to the river. Yeah, you're probably just not going to do that. You know, I, I love you, but, you know, that's, that's rough area, and there's rocks, and you drive kind of bad, so I'm not going to let you have my car. Sorry. How many of you have a truck? Anybody here have a truck? Gosh, aren't you being asked all the time, hey, man, can I use your truck? I had this truth come home to me as I was thinking about being with you all. With my daughter, Bonnie. Uh, I've got four grown kids. Bonnie's my youngest, and uh, her and I have been through uh, great things and really hard things together. And it's just given us uh, a bond that a father and a daughter can have under God's grace. And now uh, she wants to marry this guy, and he's asking me for her hand. And I'm realizing that now I have to entrust uh, precious Bonnie to this dude that I don't know that well. You know, and, and so I'm wrestling, well, okay, am I ready to do that? And, and I did the ceremony because they came to my church. And so I'm doing the wedding, but I'm also the dad that's giving her away, so I'm wearing all the hats. And, uh, but I, I remember that, that moment of pause. Who gives this woman to be married to this man? Oh, 
I mean, it, don't get me wrong, in some ways it's like, yeah, man, take her, take the bills, you know, you know, you can have, but uh, still, I mean, Bonnie, that's my, parents, you get it, that's your precious little girl. She's always kind of my little girl, I call her little one, because she's the youngest of the four. And now this guy's here, she's yours, and I'm the one that's been protecting her and providing for her, and now I'm giving all that away. And uh, I made sure he appreciated it. Josh, you know what I'm giving you, right, buddy? You know, if you blow this, you'll be found dead somewhere. You understand that? Amen. Amen. The fathers all say, that's right. That's, you're just not going to believe this. I have to show you it's in writing. That is what the Father has done with you and his son, Jesus. The Father made you, planned for you, planned for you to be who you are at this time in history. And his plan is to give you as a gift to his son. You are not an accident. You are not an evolutionary amoeba package that crawled out of some slime. You, you are here by design. You are so valuable to the Father that he entrusted you to his Son, and Jesus can't get over that. And he'll say it, well, he'll say it seven times in this prayer. Seven times he'll say, Father, all those who you gave me, I haven't lost one. Got them all right here, except that one that we knew had to go bad, but I got them all here. He wanted the Father to know, I value what you gave me. Dare you believe that? Dare you believe that you are that valuable, that known, that before the world began, the Father and the Son had a conversation about you and how he was going to give you to Christ? That's what it says. Look with me. This is if you have a Bible, it probably says the high priestly prayer. That might not crank your engine, but uh, I, I call it the Holy of Holies. I mean, this is the longest prayer of Jesus in the Bible. <clears throat> it's so personal. Some of the disciples are here listening to it because John's recording it, and there's others there. Maybe they're all there. I don't know, but some of them are there to hear him pray for them first person. It's powerful. It's beautiful. And the theology, the truth in here, I mean, it's just too much. And that's kind of how the Christian truth is. It's so big and grand and awesome that it's, it's none of it's true or it's all true. I mean, you can't just take pieces of this. It's too much. And it all holds together in the truth of Christ. All right, let's jump in. John 17, verse 6 I have manifested your name. That's a great word you never use. I have made your name known, you could say. I have revealed to them your name, Father, to the men whom you gave me out of the world. What's that all about? Because you'll say that several times. What do you mean you've given your name? See, the disciples are getting a whole new view of who God is. In the Old Testament, the Israelites... When they worshiped on Saturday, they said the great Shema, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. So they had it down. There's one God. He's unique from all the other pagan gods. 
He's the one true God. That's why the Pharisees, that was one of their reasons to execute Jesus, because he dared to say, the Father and I are one. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I and the Father are one. They're like, no, no, we're not, we, we don't have multiple gods. We just have one God. And what Jesus was having to stretch everybody's mind is, yes, it's one God, and yet there's three. And you'll never really figure it out. There's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Don't try to figure it out. If you know somebody's figured it out, they're lying to you or they're crazy. You can't figure it out. And that's part of why I know this must be true because all the man-made religions, you can figure it all out. All the man-made religions explain everything that makes sense. The Trinity, you, you, I don't get it. I, just, I take it by faith. My awesome, holy, big, loving, gracious, amazing God is one, and yet the Father, the Son, and the Spirit are three distinct personalities in that one. They're not modes. It's not like steam, ice, water, but just one. No, it's three separate, unique entities, yet they are one. And that, you can see that took a while for the guys to get. So Jesus all the time is saying to them, you know, I'm not doing my story. I'm not doing my thing. This is what the Father sent me to do. I've been with the Father. And they're having to go, oh, you've been weird, aren't you a man? Uh, so it, it took them a while. That's why those confessions, when he asked them, you know, who do you guys say that I am? Who have you heard people say I am? Well, some think you're John the Baptist. Some think you're Elijah. Good, good. Who do you guys think I am? And Peter, you know, one of those great times when he got it all right, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Now, that, that's what Jesus is saying. Father, I, I'm helping them get your name, who you are. That's, that's why at the end of Matthew, when he sends them for the Great Commission, go and make disciples of all nations and do what? Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's a unique God among all the gods made up. He's the one true God. That's what it means, the name, the one true triune God. So Jesus is helping them get that. I've manifested your name to those you gave me out of the world. You with me? Verse 6. They were yours, and you gave them to me. Whew. You were the fathers. You are designed by the Father, known by the Father, and Jesus is not going to take it lightly that those that were yours, Father, you gave to me. That's why they'll never take their eye off you. You are way too expensive. Jesus bought you with his own blood. I love that uh, 2 Corinthians 5. He, he who knew no sin, Jesus, became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. Oh, you are so much more valuable than you realize. What did Jesus say? I know the hairs on your head. Now, that's no challenge for me, but some of you, that's a lot of hair, I understand I think what he would say today is, I know your DNA. I, I know the very essence, uniqueness of who you are. See, if you would think about these truths regularly, that, that changes an attitude. That gets you through some hard stuff. You're not alone. You know, well, I'm, I'm jumping ahead. Stay with me. All right. You, those who were yours, verse 6, you gave me, and they've kept your word. Now they've come to know that everything you've given me is from you. The words which you gave me, I've given to them. That's a big theme here in the prayer. Your words, your words, the word, the truth. That, 
That's why redemption, all the pastors are all preaching this passage this Sunday. Did you know that? All 10 churches, everybody's preaching this passage. The message is the word matters. We want to be skilled in the word. Did you know the guys, they meet every week and share their notes and where are you going with this so that we're together on sharing these wonderful truths with you because we know if, if you don't have the word, you're, you're lost. You're at sea. You, you'll never, you'll be trying to figure out God and it all on your own and that'll never work. So the word, Jesus saying, Father, I, I have them in the word, the word you gave me, verse 8, I've given it in the... Now this is great, verse 8. Here is the road to salvation, right here. Here's, it's a process. Salvation's a process. Sometimes, some of you, you know, you, you, you watch the Billy Graham deal on TV and you see him make a plea and everybody comes down and, or you've got a friend and they said, yeah, I just had this crisis moment. I prayed and now I'm saved. Well, what they don't tell you is there was a process to get there. Those who study evangelism, how people look in faith say most people have to have at least seven encounters with a real life Christian before they get to a point where they're ready to give their own life to Christ. So here's the process in verse 8. The words which I, you gave me, Father, I've given to them. Now here's the process, verse 8. They received them. They, they, in other words, they said, okay, Jesus, we believe you're telling us the truth. We believe the things that you're telling us are the things that the God of Israel, the God of Abraham and Jacob and Moses, that that's your Father, so now we are going to listen. And that's the first step. No one comes to Christ and still until you're ready to be open to what the Word says about him. Because that's the only way you're going to get to know him. It's all revealed in here. So step one is to be open to receive the truth of the Word about Jesus. And then the next thing that happens, and they truly understood. And that's different for all of us. It takes time. It takes understanding. That's why some of you have uh, little kids like I did, and... Uh, I survived it. I'm a living testimony. You're going to make it, parents. You're going to sleep again. Uh, and some of them made it a sweet little decision as a little one, you know, at five, six, seven. And I affirmed that, and, but I knew they don't understand yet. And so I didn't, I didn't expect a ton out of them yet. I didn't, you're not acting like a Christian. That's a bad card to play. Don't play that on your look at you know, I just love them, but, but I knew there's going to come a time, they're going to hit the teens, and they're going to they're want to understand. Really? Really? Is, is this how it works? Is that who it is? And that's, that's a process. So they, they received, and they understood that I came from you. Jesus didn't fall the sky. He wasn't just a prophet that made up this own movement. It, it's, he's one with the Father. It's what was prophesied. It's the Messiah that Moses talked about. Actually, it's the one that God talked about in Genesis 3. Can you believe that? When he was cleaning up Adam and Eve's mess, and he said, there's one coming who's going to strike the head of the serpent and crush it. Uh, that seed, that was looking down the hall of time to Jesus. Wow. So Jesus has helped them see. They receive the truth. They're now their understanding, and that's when you believe. That's when you believe. Don't force someone to say they believe when they don't understand. Give them, allow them to come along. I mean, when you look at the disciples and they're following Jesus for three years, can you tell me, oh, here's when Andrew got saved. Here's when John got, here's when Peter got saved. Here's when Peter lost his salvation. Here's when he got, you know, there, there's, 
you just don't know. It's a process. And so give yourself grace. Maybe you're in that process. Maybe you're here, you're receiving the word, and you're trying to understand. There'll come a point when you get it, and that's the point at which you'll say either no or I believe this. I believe this. And you'll need to tell someone. You'll need to tell someone. Maybe it'll happen today. Today might be the day for someone. But I love that Jesus is there. It is. There's the process. I saw it happen in my guys, and this is what happens for all of us. I ask on their behalf, verse 9, I don't ask on behalf of the world, but of those whom you have given me. There he goes again. For they are yours, and all things that are mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I've been glorified in them. We are what is the father's is the son's, you know, su casa, mi casa. I mean, it's just su disciples, me disciples. So Jesus and the father aren't competing. They're just saying, these are the ones we know. It's interesting, he says, I don't pray for the world. Now, don't, don't misunderstand. Earlier in John, Jesus says, God, for God so loved the world, right? For God, everybody knows that verse, John three sixteen. for God so loved the world that he gave his son. So God loves the world he made, he's sending Jesus for a rescue mission, but when you get down to it, it's those who love Jesus that are the first priority with the Father. They're the, you're the first priority. You who love Jesus are the Father's first priority. So what Jesus says, when I pray, I pray first for those who are ours. Doesn't mean he doesn't care about the others, but you're a priority, just like your own kids. You know, when I go to we pick up my kids at the nursery. There's lots of little hungry kids in there, but I'm only going to feed the one that's mine. I mean, I'm sorry. That's, that's my kid. He's going to eat at my table. Not your kid. Hope you feed him, but not my problem. You know, it's okay for the father and the son to say, these are mine. I mean, I hope it's starting to sink in for you. You, you matter to our holy, awesome God. And that's the truth that will sustain you when life's, when the wheels come off your wagon, when someone kicks the legs out from the table of your life, when someone walks out on you, when someone steals from you, when someone lies about you, all those things are going to happen. They've all happened to me. This is not a promise that you'll live life in a Bible. This is in a bubble. This is a promise that everything will come through him first and he will always be there with you. And there's always a purpose. You're too important. He's trying to grow you up. If he answered my prayers, I'd be the biggest, oldest, fattest, spoiled baby you ever saw. <laughs> if he answered all my prayers. But he wants to make me into something more than I can see. He wants to make me into a real man. And the only way you forge a man is in fire. And I'll tell you, he's walked me through some fire. But it's the only way he'd get the character out that I could never get out by myself. If I'm in charge, I'm just a big fat guy drinking beer, eating pizza, and watching TV all day. I mean, that's pathetic, but that's what my flesh wants to do. He loves me too much to let me stay there. All right. Secondly, not only are you a gift, but you are known and you are protected. Let's jump in uh, verse 10. All the things that are mine are yours, and I've been glorified in them. Verse 11, I'm no longer in the world. He's, 
he's really knows he's going to the cross and he's ascending. Yet they themselves are in the world. And I came to you, Holy Father, to keep them in your name, the name which you give me, that they may be one, even as we are one. It's all around the triune God. That's the oneness, the uniqueness of our faith. While I was with them, look at verse 12. I, while I was with them, I was keeping them in your name, which you've given me, and I guarded them, and not one of them perished, but the son of perdition, so that Scripture would be fulfilled. That's, that, you can't lose that. The whole life of Jesus is just fulfillment of Scripture. Just all these prophetic dominoes going boom, boom, boom. It starts with being born in Bethlehem. Why was he born? None of the, nobody could figure that out until they looked back in Micah, and it said, out of you, O Bethlehem. Oh, wow, okay. Uh, well, here's one. Look, listen to this. This is Psalm 41. This psalm's written four or five hundred years before Jesus walks on the earth. In Psalm 41, verse 9, listen, David is talking about his own life experience. But listen, even my close friend in whom I trusted, who ate my bread, he has lifted up his heel against me. Well, that was true in David's life, but who does that sound like? That sounds like the Last Supper in Judas, and that's what it is. And there's there's hundreds of these, friend. There's just no way Jesus in the first century without the internet and a phone could have pulled off all those fulfillments. There's just no way. In fact, it's, it's just mathematically impossible. And that's why it matters when Jesus is in the Scripture was fulfilled. And the Scripture was fulfilled as part of the evidence for you that you can trust what he's doing, what he's saying. It's a fulfillment. This is no, this is no hey, Jesus dropped out of heaven. Hey, what's happening? Let's do No. This is a plan that was revealed in Genesis and is fulfilled in Revelation. And you are in the plan. Amen. You are in the plan. Because you earned it. You worked hard for it. You didn't do jack. <laughs> you didn't do jack. In fact, we are some of the oddest collection of folks, right? Paul said that in Corinthians. And just so he gets all the glory. There's no religious superstars here. They're just sinners saved by grace, right? Yeah. Amen. Gosh, you said amen. They said amen. You're training them up, brother. Right. A little Pentecostal juice flowing in this house. Come on. All right. So, you are known, but don't miss this. Verse 12, he's been guarding you, and he'll continue to guard you. Well, who do you need to be guarded from? The enemy of your soul the one who showed up in the garden, the one who met him uh, at the end of his 40-day fast before he launched his ministry, the evil one, Satan. That's, uh, modern man has a little problem with what, there's really a devil. But, I mean, you don't have to watch the news very long and you go, something's wrong. And somebody really bad is making people do really bad things. I mean, we just heard it again where some guy that shot a bunch of people and he said, the voices, the voices in my head. I mean, who, Who's, who's initiating those voices? This being, this enemy. Peter said it like this, 1 Peter 5, your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. I mean, he's after us. He, he's not after the folks having a satanic worship somewhere. He's already got them. He wants to get you. Have you read the book of Job? Well, it's pretty long. Read the first couple chapters. You'll get the gist of it. And the last chapter. Oh, don't miss the last chapter. But the point is, Satan comes into the presence of God and says, hey, give me a piece of Job. He'll stop, he'll stop worshiping you. That's, that's what it is. It's all about the enemy wanting to make you fail 
make you give up on God so that he can mock God. That's his pleasure. That's his ambition. So you're a target. So you need guarding. And there's a couple things you can do with that. Uh, first of all, don't go alone. Just like you wouldn't go into a strange city downtown alone, you'd take somebody with you. Don't go alone in this Christian life. That's his first strategy, get you alone. Get you away. Maybe get you through pain, through disappointment, through being let down by some Christians. Maybe he gets you alone through busyness. That's a great one. He just keeps you so busy. You don't have time to get in fellowship, to, to be in the Word in a, in a Bible study or come to worship. You just got too much going, and all of a sudden you wonder, where did my faith go? That's his strategy. Get you alone. So don't walk alone and don't drift from the Word. Oh, man, this is your anchor. Just the truths we're looking at. These truths that you matter, that you're here by design. If, if you don't, you know, we leak. Did you know that? I leak this truth, so I've got to keep refreshing my mind and heart in these truths all the time. And that's why I come to worship, and that's why I have a personal time in the Word, and that's why I use my gifts to minister to others, because it keeps me connected, connected, so I'm not alone, so the evil one can't get me away. I I had a friend, Robbie Reisner, who was a prisoner of war, the Vietnam War. He's a fighter pilot, shot down seven years in the Hanoi Hilton, he called it. Seven years of being tortured, mocked, trying to get information out of him. And uh, they had basically two messages. I mean, if, if you can't figure out who's behind the guys running prisoners of war camp, two messages. The first message they would give the, the men right away is, hey, nobody's coming for you. Oh, they forgot about you. They're not coming for you. Give up any hope that anybody's going to come and rescue you. That's the first. Does that sound like the evil one? Oh, there's no God. He, this happened to you? This happened to your marriage? This happened to your job? This happened to your health? Oh, there, there's no God. What did the evil one tell Eve in the garden? Eve, what's the deal with this, this tree? Oh, we don't eat that. We don't touch it. Well, Eve, come on, sister, don't be naive. That's because he knows if you eat that, you're going to know some stuff that he knows that he wants to keep from you. What? That's right. You can't trust him. You think God's all good. Well, his, he's not all good. He wants the power and the control. And he knows if you eat that, you're going to be like him. And he didn't want that. It's the same message. Lose confidence in God. You're all alone. It's all up to you. No one's coming for you. The other message in the prisoner of war camp that they you know, always give them is, Oh, your, your home country, they're, they're the bad guys. America, they're the evil ones. You know, they're trying to, whatever they have to spit at the guys to make them think, you know, America's not really the good guys here. They're the bad guys. So they're not coming for you, and you should be sorry that you even served them. You know, give it up. That's what he still does. Same lie. So you are protected. You have the Spirit of God. The evil one can't touch you without permission. But you need to not be foolish. You know, it's like you want a black eye or you want a broken leg. You know, don't be alone. Don't be alone. Be with other Christians. Be in the Word. That's, then you're grounded and you see what's coming and you see his strategies and you don't fall for them. Because all the evil one's strategies start in your head. 
discouraging you, defeating you, depressing you. That's where they all start. That's why Paul said, take every thought captive. Take every thought captive. Oh, man, so much good stuff. All right, let's keep moving. You're known, you're protected. Be smart, don't walk alone, don't drift from the word. Thirdly, you're here for a purpose. Look at verse 13. And we could camp out here all day. Now, now I come to you and these things I speak in the world so that they may have my joy may fall in themselves. That's interesting. They may have my joy. Remember in John 10, 10, Jesus said, I've told you these things so that my joy would be in you and your joy would be overflowing, full. Jesus wants you to enjoy your relationship with him. So here's a good question. What, what's kind of God's uh, emotional temperature right now? Is he angry? Some Christians, some preachers give me the idea that they think God's just angry all the time. Oh, he's angry at that. He's angry at that failure. He's angry at that. Is, you know, if you got in God's presence, the heat of his anger would just melt you. I mean, he's just this big, angry God. And have you read Revelation? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, who, who wants to follow that God? I want to hide from that God. Jesus wants you to know he and the Father and the Spirit are really enjoying being God. A guy who helped me with this uh, Dallas Willard, who's with Jesus now, in his book, Divine Conspiracy. Uh, would you bear with me while I read a paragraph to you? I know it's bad form. I should have put it up here, Josh. I'm sorry. It's your fault. You didn't ask. No, you did. I just <laughs> dropped the ball. Okay, so I'll try to read this to keep you awake, but it's not long. But this, this is so good. You're going to be glad you heard this. We should, to begin with, think that God leads a very interesting life that he is full of joy. Undoubtedly, he is the most joyous being in the universe. The abundance of his love and his generosity is inseparable from his infinite joy. His love, his generosity is all part of what gives him joy. All of the good and beautiful things from which we occasionally drink little droplets of soul-exhilarating joy, God continuously experiences in all their breadth and depth and richness continually. And he goes on to use the illustration of an aquarium. Anybody here ever have an aquarium? Is that still in fashion? They still sell that stuff? Yeah. You know, we had that. And I mean, remember, you had an aquarium, you drop in those cool little angel fish and that little, you know, look like Nemo, that cute little thing. And, and then, and then you, you'd all just sit there looking in this little, you know, eight and a half by 11 box thing, just looking and watching. And you're just fascinated. Their beauty, the colors. Well, God's got seas full of that. Do you know those who study the oceans, this, I couldn't believe this, but they say it's true. I thought with Jacques Cousteau and all his ilk that we've pretty much seen everything's down there. They said, we haven't seen 90%. 90%. But God sees it every day. And it gives him joy. You wonder, you know, you drive out in the country and you see a field full of wildflowers. It's like, so much, so much. It's like God just loves the exuberance to luxuriate in his creation. And you're part of that. So there's joy. You're, you're going to like it when you get to heaven, okay? Yes. It's not going to be this strict religious service, you know, Moses. Okay, we're going to get these Ten Commandments down now and shape <laughs> you up. Circumcision, let's go over here now. No, 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 no. It, it, it's, 
it's, it's going to be all you long for. Those moments when you've, when you've just, it's, it's so sweet, tears come out. That's, that's the taste of what's coming. And Jesus wants you to think about that and know that. And that you are part of that. that. Line in Hebrews, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. What was the joy? You. I mean, see, it's so much you can't believe it. You? Me, I get, but you, I don't get. <laughs> Josh? Yeah, you're, the, you're his joy. Oh. So, okay. How are we doing on time? We're okay? Uh, verse 13. I want them to have the joy, Father, that we know. I've given them your word. There it is again, verse 14. And the world's hated them because they're not of the world, even as I'm of the world. Some of you have tasted that, haven't you? You know, there's, there's friends, there's folks at work in your neighborhood, they, they don't like that you follow Christ. They think you're narrow, bigoted. You know, I, some, you know, the truth is just the truth. You know, a stoplight, it's not narrow and bigoted, it's just red stop. Or, you, or someone dies. You know, it's like if this room caught on fire, see the exit lights, you can see the exit signs. Let's say the room's on fire, and I can see that all the other exits are not safe except that one. Is it bigoted and narrow of me to go, hey, that's the only way out of here? That's the only way out that you're going to live. Well, that's what Jesus is saying. I'm the way, the truth, and life. He's not being, not being egocentric, not being bigoted. He's just saying that's the truth. I'm the only way out. I'm it. And that's, that's the gospel. We don't need to apologize for that. So the world's not going to like that. That's not PC. But that's the truth. I don't ask you, now here's where it comes to you and me. I don't ask you to take them out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one. Oh, man. There's been many days when I wish I had this button, I don't know, the rapture button where I could just hit it. Just a personal rapture. You all don't need to go, but I'm ready to go. Like that commercial, you know, that Southwest commercial, you want to get out of here? Man, Lord, there's been many times, Lord, I want to get out of here. But that's not the deal. He's not getting us out of here, but we need to be kept from the evil one. They're not of the world as I'm not of the world. So sanctify them in the truth. Sanctify, there's another big religious word. Set them apart. Help them know that they're different from all of humanity because they're ours. Wow. Make that clear through your word. Your word is truth. As you sent me in the world, I've sent them into the world. So I sanctify myself. I give myself up for them so that they'll be sanctified. Here's what I'm trying to say. We are a sent people. We are a sent people. The goal is not to put you in a Christian bubble and you only listen to Christian music, you only talk to Christians, you only work with Christians at a Christian company. I mean, if, if that's where you're working, that's great, but the goal is not to insulate yourself from the world. The goal is to be in the world. And if the world crucified my king, they might take some shots at me. And Jesus says, that's okay. In fact, rejoice in that. that, that you get a special badge for that. You shed some blood for my name, that's okay. Take, rejoice in that. But the goal is to represent him, to give myself away to him. So it starts with my family, my wife, my kids, my, my friends, the people I do ministry with. But my posture is always the Jesus posture, which is how do I give myself away to them? Because you know what I found out? When I give myself away to others using my gifts, my personality, who I am, I'm having the most fun. Right? Josh, amen? It's fun. 
to give yourself away. It's fun. Yeah, sometimes you're taken advantage of. Sometimes people use and abuse. But it's the joy of the life. I give Because then it's not all about me. When it's all about you, that's a miserable place. We've all lived in those places. Full of self-pity. Oh, no one loves No one's taking care of me. They didn't treat me. Uh-huh. But when you give yourself away, joy rushes in. So we are a sent people. That's what it's about. Wherever God has you, you are not there by accident. You are there by design. Let me close with this illustration, okay? So Bonnie and Josh, they get married, right? My youngest daughter. So after the wedding and all the celebration, I ask him, so what are you, what are you guys going to do? Oh, uh, we're going to try to make as much money as we can in 10 years, and then we're going to buy... Uh, a little cottage on a South Pacific island, and we're just going to live on the beach and drink cerveza and uh, listen to music. I'd be like, what? No, you're not. No, you're not. Don't you know Jesus? Don't you have to friends like that? They claim to know Jesus, but their life's all about their personal comfort. No. I'm so proud of Josh and and Bonnie, you know what they said? We, we want to we get a home. We want to have babies. Yes! Every grandparent's hope, you know. But that's what it's about. Be fruitful, multiply, have babies. Get some more Christian babies in this world. Little salt shakers. Get them in here. Have a life. Get to know your neighbors. Get to know all your unchurched neighbors. And let them see you're different. And let your kids be their friends. And help out in soccer and little league and you know, all that stuff, and then get involved in a church, and that's what they want to do so desperately. They, they want to give themselves away. They want to build something. That's what you're called to do. Some of you are young parents, and you're tired all the time. I'm impressed you stayed awake this whole sermon. Thank you. <laughs> or you look like you are. I can't tell. Some people sleep with their eyes open, don't they? But it, your life can feel like it's chaotic, and I'm surviving, and just remember, if you hear nothing else today, you are completely, totally, absolutely here by design. The Father's eye never leaves you. Jesus' heart for you is constant. He's praying for you, protecting you, leading you. You are so important to him. And those are truths we need to live on every day because the world and the devil are sending a different message to beat you up and wipe you out. Stay in those truths. Let's pray. Father, I, uh, I want to thank you for your word. It's just, it's so much. It's just so good. Lord, give us grace to believe that word. Some of us have a hard time just believing these truths. Give us grace to believe. And I wonder, Lord, if there's someone this morning that uh, this is their day. They've, they've been hearing the word. They've been coming, hearing the word. And now they're understanding your love for them and that they're here by design. Today, they may be the day they believe. If that's you, friend, just pray right now in the quietness of your heart. Jesus, I believe. I believe you love me. You died for me. Come into my life. I want to follow you. Oh, and he's, he's waiting for you to give him the permission to come in. He loves you and wants to come. Thank you, Jesus, for all that you gave for us. We're going to remember that cross now for a few moments. Amen.